All right, welcome back to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast, proudly presented by Irish 31. Uh, guys, Irish 31 and the USF Alumni Association will host Bulls Brewfest this Saturday, October 2nd at Irish 31 West Shore Plaza. Join Magic 94.9 <clears throat> and a stampede of Bulls fans for a special ramped-up indoor-outdoor Bulls bonus watch party with giant LED screens showing the game, local breweries sampling, sampling fall brews, Bulls ticket giveaways from Irish 31s, at tailgate games, and more. Free admission and $10 sampling wristbands with 100% of the event proceeds donated to the USF Alumni Association. Horns up, Tampa Bay. Go Bulls. Well, guys, another week. We're four games into the season. A lot has happened. We've had uh, two QB number ones. <laughs> Three hoping, QB number twos. Hoping this one sticks. I hope they uh, do another graphic for Timmy. Like you know, they they really, like cool, like, I mean, if they did, if they did one for K, they got to do one for Timmy, right? It's just right. I mean, it's only fair. I know there was that fan made one that was going around, but they they need a, a Timmy McLean QB one graphic with yeah with his beautiful mug on there. Yeah, they need that. They need the feature from Joey Johnston. They need uh, the the walk and talk with uh, Kaylee. Uh, I think her name's Kaylee, right? Yeah, Kaylee. Kaylee. I mean, they need they need to do it all. I mean, it's it's Tim McLean. He's QB number one. There's no way that this ends poorly. And there, it's just all for naught, right? I don't think so. Well, guys, it's a jam-packed episode uh, tonight. We've got to put a bow on BYU, uh, and then we'll look toward uh, SMU this uh, this coming Saturday, four o'clock Eastern, on ESPNU. Um, it should be a an exciting game for someone. I would assume, uh, you know, one team's definitely going to leave the field happier than others. Uh, hopefully. Uh, SMU doesn't injure any of USF's coaches while planting a flag because uh, Gary Patterson may come down and he, he's still a little uh, upset about uh, SMU trying to plant the flag at TCU last week. And uh, apparently a coach got injured during their kerfuffle after the game. And, you know, Not my just a coach, by the way, it was Gary Kill, which I was doing out there. What's he doing out there? Yeah, I don't know. Really? <laughs> I mean, it, and it appears it was just one of it was friendly fire, so to speak. One of his own players kind of ran into him, knocked him over. Not a good situation all the way around. And, and you know, my advice to Gary Patterson and TCU is uh, don't lose to SMU and they won't be able to plant the flag in your own stadium. That solves a lot of issues if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, huh? Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to do the film room uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but I wanted to kind of put a bow on on BYU here. Uh, Steve, you, you weren't on the, the postgame wrap-up uh, with, with Seth and I at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why you weren't around. I think that's kind of rude uh, at 3 o'clock in the you morning. I'm so sorry. I, I, You know, there's just other things happening, you know. It's whatever. I, I, you know, I won't hold it against you, but uh, you know, USF looked pretty good, right? I mean, the, outside of that first quarter, where I think everyone would agree, uh, they thought, "Oh my God, it's going to be sixty-three to nothing by the end of the third quarter." At this rate, yeah, and and that was, I, I think, kind of to be expected out of BYU coming out of the gate there. Um, you know, they, you know, three weeks or for the first three weeks of the season. They kind of ran through these Pac-12 teams, you know, upset, you know, two top 25 teams. And, I mean, you know that um, – I cannot remember their coach's name, Salaki. Kalani Sataki. Kalani Sataki. You know, he's kind of I, – I could probably guarantee he came out and preached like, we're coming out fast, we're coming out fast, we're coming out fast. You know, his probably goal was to score 35 points in the first quarter just to open and close that book as soon as possible for his team, which is fine. Um, you know, that's their philosophy on things. And I think I was kind of expecting that. And, and for USF, you know, I think they did get exactly what we kind of talked about previously almost week over week is they got punched in the mouth. You know, they got punched in the mouth at, at you know, NC State gave up a touchdown on the first drive. You know, Florida got punched in the face by Anthony Richardson the entire time. At FAMU, whatever. But for BYU, they got punched in the face immediately. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall 
you know, we've kind of been damaged by previous regimes and that's not the best way for uh, USF faithful to rally around their team. So for them to go from 21, nothing to, you know, getting a few drives put together, getting a few field goals put on board, you know, at halftime, you're thinking, all right, well, you know, it could be worse at 28, six, I think is what it was. It, It could be worse, but man, that second half is where I think we we can just hang our hats on and say this this is this is a good turning point of the team. You know, that is exactly kind of what you wanted to see was the team being able to not just you know make some stops on defense, you know, and and, and you know blocking a field goal there and making a play and turning right back around and doing a 95, 94 yard touchdown drive. Like when is the last time we've seen a, a USF team kind of go end to end like that? Hold a team on fourth down, force a field goal, block a field goal, then turn right around and score on the ensuing drive like that. Like that's that's the kind of football team that we want to root for, but we haven't gotten in the last couple of years. So I'd say, you know, if if, if they can have the memory of a goldfish and, and forget that first quarter and turn around and, and do that consistently, who knows what this team is capable of. You know, I that's that was exciting. Was just everything that was happening basically after that first quarter. I agree, and uh, Seth, we, we kind of touched on it uh, in, in the post game show. It's kind of uh, been the mo under Jeff Scott so far at, at USF. They they either you know win, <clears throat> you know against Citadel, and then you know the next week you know blow out against Notre Dame. Sure, it was going to happen anyway. Or you play these teams really close, one score game, and then the following week you, you lay an egg, and that's what USF's going to have to avoid this week against a very talented SMU team, right? You know, going back going back to last year, they played Cincinnati pretty dang close. So, you know that, that kickoff return uh, for touchdown that made it, uh, I think it was uh, made it twenty eight to seven after USF had scored. Um, Kind of broke the broke the camel's back, so to speak. But they were they were in it for a, a good portion of that game, and then that following week, lay an absolute egg against the ECU, lose by twenty, and then you, you come back, you, you play Temple close, you lay an egg uh, against Tulsa, come back again, November seventh at Memphis. You're, you're leading for a lot of that game. You come back laying egg against Houston, so you, you they've really got to find the balance of okay, we 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 were good here, let's carry it into the next game, and they haven't been able to carry it into the next game, right? You know, FAMU, they they finally win a game, they immediately go down twenty one nothing in the first quarter, so. It, that's the part of this learning process that I want to see sped up. Uh, Seth, maybe maybe I'm dead wrong. Your, your thoughts on how and if I'm you know a little off base on trying to correlate the two things with with the progress that we're seeing already. No, I mean I think you're right. Um, the one thing is you know that I think you hear a lot in coaching too is, is progress isn't necessarily linear. So sometimes it just comes in jumps and then, then you might sit for a while stagnant. I, I feel like this USF team is progressing. You obviously want to see it carry into the following game. And, and the goal kind of this whole year we've said from the beginning is you want to see that progression from game one to the final game, see them getting better. I think we're seeing that it seems to come in drips and drabs a little bit and then a bunch. So Florida, the first half was terrible. Really, the second quarter of that Florida game was really bad. And then the second half, bang, big jump. First half, FAMU, big jumps. Second half, kind of nothing. Then first quarter, BYU, really bad. And then after that, pretty good. So, obviously, you'd like to put it together from the beginning of a game. It would be nice. Um, but I, I think you're seeing them make progress. And this week, will, the interesting thing this week to me will be was last week – big progress and I think some of it was progress or was last week kind of style of opponent offensively for USF BYU didn't bring it and we'll look at it tomorrow more closely but BYU was more apt to kind of sit back give McLean a little more time let him get a little more comfortable get into the game and once he got comfortable he was on is, is SMU going to play like that I don't know but they're also actually worse statistically on defense than BYU is so you hope to see that momentum carry over, but that'll be the interesting thing to me. Can they play the same way and successfully against kind of a different style of defense? 
because I think that's a style of defense last week that lends itself to some success or at least letting you get comfortable. Is it going to be the same this week? Can they carry it over to a different style? And maybe that's been the issue like the last couple of years. Some styles, some teams they match up well with, and you really see that progress. And the next week, maybe the matchup isn't as good, and then they drop down a little bit. You want to see them carry that over regardless of opponent. And I think you'll see that this week. I think you'll see some success, but that'll be kind of what I'm watching for. Exactly. You know, and, and BYU's defense coordinators uh, said as much this week that they kind of underestimated Timmy's athleticism. They, they they knew he was a pretty good passer. They went back and looked at his high school tape and, you know, it, it showed off that he was a good passer, but they underestimated his athleticism. I don't think you're going to catch m- too many more teams by surprise with your athleticism. Uh, I, I think they're going to I think they're going to take bits and pieces of that FAMU game that really gave Timmy uh, some struggle. You know, the, those double A gap blitzes bring bring guys off the edge, uh, as you said. You know, styles styles make fights, right? And BYU is definitely a, a rush three drop eight kind of team. And you know, SMU they're going to take their chances because they've got a high high octane offense, so they can. Uh, afford to be a little bit more aggressive defensively and mm-hmm. you know you the, the the thing looming over this game that we haven't even touched upon is uh smu's defensive coordinator is uh one mr jim jimothy levitt uh i'm i'm gonna hate some of these posts like tweet or like post game tweets that are like oh what could have been if usf had hired Jim Levin instead of Jeff Scott as a as a head coach for yeah. Jim Levin. I, I just I really hope that the, the the TV announcers do Joel Miller if they do bring up Jim Levitt being there do do him a, a service and tell him exactly what happened right. It don't skirt around the fact that there were some misdeeds or alleged misdeeds. He hit the kid. All right. And and that's why he was no longer the coach. And then he lied about it. And then he tried to get people, other people to lie about it. That's why he's no longer coach. Judy Genshaft tried to save his ass and he wouldn't take it. Okay. Judy said, just admit what you did and we can get out of this. And Jim being the hard headed son of a bitch, he is refused to do so and that's why he was out of football for a few years before uh, latching on with the 49ers and then slowly rebuilding his his profile but that's why all right i i don't want I, I, for everything he did for usf and i don't want to get into a you know a, a tangent here but for everything he did for usf that one moment is is uh, something that should not be skirted around with this TV broadcast. Now I say all that to, to say this, this SMU offense is, is killer. Uh, there's a reason why Tanner Mordecai was at Oklahoma. All right. And you, you've seen it through four games, uh, 20 touchdowns, completing 70% of his passes going up against a very, 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 uh, very, uh, very, uh, very, very depleted USF secondary. Uh, so I don't know how well they'll match up. I think USF's got their work cut out for them this week. Um, but, you know, final final takeaways for, from BYU before we kind of put it to bed before we uh, before we go to uh, this week. Uh, regardless of what I said earlier about the style of defense and kind of letting letting the offense kind of get comfortable, I think. The the other factor in that game is that it was a really, really intense atmosphere, seemed to be a really good crowd, and that did not phase them. So I think regardless of whether or not maybe the styles helped a little bit, that was important to see them kind of play through that kind of atmosphere. I don't know if they're going to see anything like that in conference this year. You guys know better than me, but I don't, I don't, I would, wouldn't imagine so. So that's definitely going to be a great experience to go forward. And that's why you play these big time out of conference games is to get those kind of learning experiences. So when you're getting conference it makes everything a little bit easier. hundred percent agreed. And, you know, it, it should be noted. Timmy was 17 to 24 uh, for 186 yards. It's, that is damn impressive for your first road start. He didn't start particularly well. I actually, was messaging our friend Steve here. And I was like, I don't know if he's ready, man. He did not look good. That first screen pass, he about threw into the threw over the back's head. And if he hits him in stride, he probably picks up a first down. And then 
then they go out on four plays. But, man, once he found the game, he was great, um, especially for a young guy. Yeah. So I thought he really kind of went from the beginning. I was like, man, I don't know if he's ready. And then by the end of the game, you're like, this dude can play. Right? He, he was not afraid. He kind of once he found his himself in the game a little bit, yep. he really stepped it up and threw the ball better than he has all year. So that was a good development to see him hit some of those intermediate throws. It seemed like they cut down on the the, the full field stuff. I mean, we talked about that halftime, but a lot of it was like play action, hit the dig coming across. And he was hitting those guys on time and on target and then doing a great job avoiding the rush and, and doing all that kind of special athletic stuff he can do that a lot of guys can't. Uh, but but he did a good job throwing on time and on target, too. It wasn't just yeah. like he was running around the whole time. So I was really impressed with how much better he got during the game. Yeah, and he, you know, to, to your point, he was uh, 10 of 11 passing in the second half with completions of 11, 17, 26, 17, and then that final absolute dart to Xavier Weaver on that final touchdown drive, which was – uh, it was huge. Like that's the zip on the ball that you need in the middle of the field that, you know, I think at NC state, he was, he was a little hesitant to to pull the trigger and we saw, we saw what happened and he threw two in two just piss poor uh, decisions on those, on those interceptions kind of thrown across your body uh, close to the, close to the end zone. And he, he didn't make those mistakes. Uh, he was the BYU was credited with the sack. Timmy was running out of bounds and ran out of bounds a yard shy of the line of scrimmage. So it got marked as a sack, but I mean, really clean game outside of that, that fourth and one uh, fumbled snap uh, from under center. I, you can't ask for much more from a, from a true freshman quarterback. Oh, that's exactly what you, uh, you know, I, I think everyone was surprised by how good to me was, except for his uh, high school coach. Uh, his high school coach is, has been in people's uh, mentions and saying, I told you so the entire time and all credit to him. You know, I, I kind of briefly spent back with him before the season and I was like, listen, man, I'm, I'm excited to watch, you know, Timmy, like, you know, he seems really athletic. And one thing he's been preaching this entire time is he is not a dual threat quarterback. He was considered a dual threat quarterback by all the major recruiting services for probably a, a not too great of a reason, but he's a thrower first. He he absolutely will look to to throw as much as possible, you know. He, but, he, but he can run and get himself, you know, and, and get his feet set, everything like that. Get outside the pocket and make the run if he has to. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's the key thing that we need to remember. With you know, I know that everyone wants to do this comparison, and everyone wants to say, "Oh, he looks like Hugh. Oh, he looks like Hugh. Like he looks like Quinn." No, 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 no. He's Timmy. He's Timmy McLean. He's going to be a different quarterback. You know, we can start throwing the comparisons out there when he, you know, starts breaking Quentin's touchdown records or, you know, anything like that. Or he starts creeping up record books there. But let's let's let Timmy be Timmy. Let's not give him that expectation or, or those those marks or anything like that just yet. I mean, kids only had two starts, so he's had a fantastic start to his, his USF career here. But let's let's let Timmy be Timmy. Let's let's let Charlie Wise figure out, you know, setting him up for success and and run from there. But before we tie this off, Nate, I want to bring up one thing. Very important. Last week when we were making the predictions, and you know the the, the 55-10, I think, was uh was out the out the out the door within like five minutes of the game. But I did make a prediction there towards the end. Do you remember what that was, Nate? That both teams would have fun. Both teams would have fun, but more importantly, that if USF was able to cover, I'd get a range of They did and cover. They did cover. So I have here some some Lester Stixon's ranch soda, and uh, you know I figured ranch is ranch is pretty good, but ranch isn't as good unless you have some wings to go with it. Oh my god! <laughs> so so. I'm 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 gonna be over here for a minute while we while we you know crack these bad boys open. Here's here's some ASMR for everyone. That's that's the good stuff. Um, shout out to Rocket Fizz and uh, and oh geez, the camera's on me now. Uh, oh, I was on you. In in St. Pete, Florida, uh, I think there's also one in, in Weston Chapel. Uh, large selection of sodas. A lot of them look terrible, uh, and, and this one is one of them. I'll. Uh, 
get some get some sets going. Oh my Definitely god! Smells like ranch. <laughs> it's, what's, the, what's the vintage here? <laughs> um, I'm gonna guess it was sitting on the shelves for a little bit longer than it should have. Um, but I'm gonna be completely honest. A buttermilk bouquet. And it's uh, it, it's you know, let's yeah, actually, I won't get on but. It tastes just like ranch. <laughs> now, what I need you to do is Stone Cold Steve Austin style double. Oh no! I already I, I planned on getting a, a cup over here and, and mixing these two together oh. here in a second. I won't ask you to bash them together, but yeah, nice little, I think if you go at it double, nice little palate cleanser. Yeah, just I had to I had to clean clean it up a little bit more actually. It's With some vinegar. <laughs> I wish I could describe the taste other than the fact that, like, just imagine ranch. Yeah, we like, got it. You dip the frying ranch, but it's just really fucking sweet. Like, it's almost like they dumped the thing of sugar in it. And uh, wouldn't you guess it? There's 89% of my daily intake of sugar in this bottle. I'm shocked by that. Um, so uh, I have I had that one before, and it's it's pretty bad. I'm excited to try this, though. Uh, I'm glad this is going off the rails, by the way. Um, we're going to a, we're going to a solo here. Yeah, it, it's got pure cane sugar in it, so there's not much of a difference between actual buffalo wings and, and this. Um, so this will be my live first taste on this one because I've had that ranch one before. <laughs> it smells like orange soda, which is terrifying, uh, and I'm I'm really not looking forward to this one. Oh God! <laughs> um, is it spicy? It's not spicy at all. That's unfortunate. And my my oh God was it, was it so actually good. tastes kind of good. Can we get can we get a can we get a can we get a, a stone cold double real quick? Oh yeah, here we'll we'll get a double here. Um, just throwing this out there, it, it tastes it tastes exactly like Fanta. Like, there's a little bit of spice in there, but it, it's really not much, and it's probably because it's warm. But we'll get a, a nice mixture here going for everyone. And uh, oh my god, kids, don't try that at home. <laughs> the the actions expressed by Robert Steig in this video are, are solely his and not responsible of the Daily Stampede and or Irish Thirty One. Does it drink, pair well? Please, please drink responsibly. <laughs> Does it pair well? Mm. It pairs well, like um, no, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> the, the, it, it's the and again, I'll say it. The buffalo said it's not that bad. I'm I'm actually kind of shocked by the. It's it's a little pleasant at, at times, but this ranch soda just it, it tastes like <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even. I wish I could. If you guys are going to come to the Irish Thirty One thing, I'll, I'll bring this and we'll we'll really spread the uh, we'll, we'll spread the joy around and see uh, more people love it. So that, you should submit that to the to the brew fest or <laughs> submit your own concoction there. Ranch beer. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> oh, I'm so grossed out, dude. Like I my I have a very weak constitution, uh, as is. Uh, in middle school, uh, my best friend, who was uh, the best man at my wedding, uh, his entire goal during lunch in middle school was just to try to get me to throw up. And he succeeded more than I would care to admit. Uh, so, yeah, that that's going to be a hard pass for your boy. Um, but veering so far back on track. Uh, South Florida heads to, to Dallas this weekend. Uh, man, what a what a hard segue. Do you guys have whiplash? Because uh, I do. Uh, USF travels to Dallas this weekend to face the SMU Mustangs, who are 4-0, absolutely uh, running through their schedule right now. Uh, Tanner, Tanner Mordecai, we, we've already touched on, is an absolute beast. What Sonny Dykes has been able to do in four years at that program has been nothing short of incredible. Uh, he saw the flaw in the system and exploited it. Uh, our former uh, pal, uh, well, I guess he's still a pal. Uh, Colin Sherwin has been on this for quite a while. He he saw what he was doing and uh, f- 
followed it really closely. And we're seeing the fruits of, fruits of his labor uh, right now. I think they won ten games in twenty nineteen. Uh, they won seven last year. They're they're on track to to really uh, put up some ridiculous numbers. Their offense somehow Reggie Roberson is still in college. Uh, no, no. I doesn't make any sense to me, but he's still there. Uh, and Steeg, I know you're really high on Preston Stone, but I don't think he's ever going to see the field, man. You know, that was before Tanner Mordecai transferred in. Um, <laughs> I I love Preston Stone. That kid's going to be great. You know, probably UTSA next year or something like that. But man, Tanner Mordecai is just... When I saw he transferred over there, I was like, all right, go ahead and put him as AAC player of the year. He's he's way too talented for, for this conference. <clears throat> just straight up, you know, probably that close to winning the Oklahoma job. And now he's uh, a quarterback with some of the best wide receivers in the conference to throw to from top to bottom. You know, I know, I know Calvin Austin over at Memphis is, you know, putting up ridiculous numbers as well, but for the amount of depth that SMU has at receiver, I mean, it's, it's truly a pick your poison experience when you play the Mustangs. I mean, you, you play man and you're just, your, your DBs are going to get burned. You play zone. Someone's going to be open They're They're, they're way too talented on offense and uh, quite, Despite this most recent uh, endeavor at TCU, they're quite disciplined as well, uh, and and they keep Tanner pretty clean throughout the game. Yeah, so, having a lot of having a lot of sacks so far this year. I mean, this is probably the most. And I know the, the Florida game was daunting, and, and the NC State game was daunting, and playing in BYU was daunting. Like this was the game when I looked at the schedule this year, and, and after watching week week one. That was the game that I was like, yeah, that's the game we're going to get both race just to hell at. You know, that's that's the game that the USF faithful are going to be very upset for multiple reasons. And I, I it's getting closer and closer to uh, to zero hour, and, and boy, does my does my throat hurt just thinking about it. You know, and I don't think it's the Buffalo soda, but we can't be sure. Uh, so I, I just want to do a quick. Uh, rundown on on Tanner's stats because they are absolutely ridiculous through four games. Um let me make sure I, I get the, the numbers right here. He is uh he is ninety-eight of one thirty-nine. He's completing seventy point five percent of his passes for twelve hundred and sixty yards. He has twenty touchdowns. He's averaging three hundred and seventeen yards a game. Uh in game one he threw seven touchdown passes against Abilene Christian uh and then threw five at uh, Louisiana Tech, and then you know the the other two he he uh, had eight. So it, I mean, he's just kind of picking apart uh, this the any defense that he sees. Um, and you know, all right, fine. Yet if we can shut down Tanner Mordecai, you know, and, and shut down their passing game, the Bulls should be able to win, right? Wrong. They are averaging over two hundred and twenty yards on the ground. Uh, Ulysses Bentley the fourth. Uh, just a top-notch name. Uh, he's rushed for 403 yards and two scores. He's averaging 7.6 yards a game, averaging just over 100 yards uh, per game. Uh, Trey Siggers uh, averaging 4.9 yards. Tanner himself has chipped in 121 uh, with, a, with a score himself. I mean, th- this team is just absolutely loaded, right? And uh, it's a really pick your how-do-you-want-to-die kind of uh, – Choose your own adventure game at this point, Seth. Uh, what what can USF do to slow down or even just you know stay in front of SMU long enough to to compete? Uh, maybe slip like some ranch soda into their water bottles before the game <laughs> might help. Uh, I, they're really good. They're they're top fifteen in yards per play. Um, they're top ten. And uh, a stat called expected points added, so where like every yard, you know, depending on down yard line, every play is contextualized into points. So how many points did you add by getting this 10-yard gain on second and three? They're top 10 in that stat right behind. They're, they're not too far behind Florida, who USF's already played in, just, just ahead of Alabama, just for some context on where they are offensively. All good things. All good things. <laughs> They're really good. So, with how USF's defense is playing this year, which, if you weren't sure, 
how that is, USF is currently 128th in yards per play. Given up defensively, they're giving up an average of 7.68 yards per play. So, not great. Um, and then the, the problem is, so, and, and we'll go over this a little bit more in depth tomorrow in the film room. The problem is a lot of people are like, oh, we're playing too much man. We're, you're actually not playing man, but far enough down the field, everything turns into man. So if it's three deep zone, once I get 30 yards down the field into your deep third, it's one-on-one. The problem is when you want to play a soft zone and try to keep stuff in front of you, if you can't get a pass rush, which USF does not have the three guys that can get a pass rush like Arkansas or even BYU does sometimes where those guys are just animals up front, you're going to leave yourself to for the quarterback to be able to take some shots downfield. And that all turns into one-on-one coverage. When you mix that with like play action, and, and again, we'll see it tomorrow where play action hits the safeties in the middle field to step up. And now it's one-on-one with a lot of room. That's really tough to stop. So you can't, it's, it's going to be tough to sit back and play zone because I think they can pick you apart. You're, I think what you're going to have to do is just mix it up a lot, do a lot of different things, try to confuse them and just try to sneak out some turnovers and then hope on offense, you take advantage of the extra possessions and win a shootout. I don't think this is going to be a low scoring game. I don't think USF wins if it's a low-scoring game. Um, well, I, I mean, they could, but I, I just don't think it's going to get low. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game if USF wins. You're going to have to hold, you know, just get a couple stops here and there, maybe do a good job with the the, the mythical middle eight. Maybe you can steal a possession there by getting a two-for-one, you know, that kind of thing. You're going to have to really win on the margins to to stop them. I just don't see it happening with how good they are offensively, not just, as you said, not just throwing where they have three really good receivers and a really good tight end that I think also transferred from Oklahoma. They also have a really good running back and they're able to run the ball too. So it's really difficult. You kind of just have to mix a lot of things up, see if you can confuse Mordecai, get a, get yourself a pick, get your offensive extra possession, or maybe steal something if you get a stop block a punt, something on special teams. You're going to have to do something out of the ordinary and try to steal a possession. Um, because I, I think it's gonna both teams are gonna be able to go up and down the field. It seems like, yeah. And you, you mentioned their their receiving core. Uh, Danny Gray, uh, twenty catches, three hundred fifty eight yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Reggie Roberson, who's been in college since uh, I think Lincoln was in office, uh, seventeen catches, two hundred ten, uh, two hundred eleven yards, two scores. Uh, Rashid Rice, fourteen catches, two hundred twenty seven yards, five touchdowns. Grant Calcaterra. Uh, is the tight end uh, transfer 13 catches, uh, two scores. Uh, Bentley has a touchdown himself. Uh, Jordan Curley uh, has six catches, 87 yards, two scores. Nolan Matthews Harris, four catches, 53 yards, two scores. Uh, if you're keeping track, that's seven guys who have scored, a, who have caught a receiving touchdown. Um, all of them are responsible for at least two touchdowns accounted for uh, rushing and passing when you, when you include Bentley. Uh, I mean, it's, this is one of the more complete offenses that USF is going to face. This is uh, just, it's a tall, tall task. It, if USF was fully healthy, it'd be a tall task. And now you're asking, you know, Jalen Herring, uh, Matthew Hill in, in game five as, as a, as a free safety uh, to, to step in and, and TJ Robinson without Christian, Christian Williams to step in and, and, prove effective uh, against a, a really talented offense, a, a really smart head coach uh, and, and a, a really talented quarterback. It's, it's a tough, tough uh, thing to do. And, you know, the bulls, as you mentioned, Seth, they're not getting any pressure up front and SMU hasn't allowed a sack. So uh, something's got to give. And I would lean more heavily on uh, SMU continuing not to not allow a sack than USF uh, breaking through this offensive line who uh, the entire left side is our, our seniors and they've kind of moved around some pieces, but they're still really, really effective at protecting, keeping Tanner upright. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a definitely a tough task. I think you, your your hope is you know maybe you get you get some stops in the red zone once the field tightens up a little bit. Like last week, you get a stop in the red zone, you block a field goal attempt. That's a that's a that's a big win for you. You know you, you need things like that. The 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 fear is and the problem is that this offense is better than the one you saw last week. This is a better than BYU. 
they they throw the ball better. I don't know if they run the ball better, but they run the ball really well too. Um, and they they're a little bit different, I think, stylistically in the way they run the ball. But this is probably a, a better offense than you saw last week, and we saw what happened last week. So that's got to be the big worry. Uh, I think that you you kind of have to get into a shootout, and this is a game where Jeff Scott, you're going to have to go for it on fourth down, maybe more than you'd like to. But he's shown he's pretty aggressive in the past, but. You're going to have to take some of those risks, roll the dice, you, you know, not you, no punting once you pass the 50, that kind of stuff, because you, you've got to, um, you've got to maximize every possession offense because I think they're going to on the other side of the ball. So hey, you, you mentioned the, the red zone, right? Uh, SMU, uh, they're, they're hitting teams with, with big plays, right? They've had 16 uh, red zone uh, opportunities. They've scored on 12 of them, which is pretty good, but they've only scored – 10 times, uh, 10 touchdowns on those 16 red zone possessions. So you can combat that a little bit. And, you know, I harped on it last week because you got to win the red zone battle. And uh, Jeff Scott said in his press conference today, we had two fourth and ones and you, you had three missed tackles between those two fourth and ones at the goal line. And it's a different ball game. Uh, they're doing live tackling this week. That's where USF's going to have to thrive. They can't continually get beat over the top like, like SMU likes to do, right? You, you've got to shorten that few up, give yourself a, a better opportunity to play defense when when you've got the the back of the end zone as a, an extra defender, so to speak. It really kind of helps helps you a little bit. And you know, on the flip side, uh, SMU is only allowed seven touchdowns in sixteen opponents' uh, red zone opportunities. So again, you got to cash in on those opportunities when you get them. Put the pressure on SMU, right? That's that's what you're going to have to do. And uh, you know, he's susceptible to interceptions. He, he threw three last week. Um, you know, they've turned the ball over seven times already this year. Uh, so stealing a possession is, is a way to go. You know, USF went for that onside kick with five minutes left because they were trying to steal the possession. They they knew they couldn't stop uh, BYU if they gave the ball back with a full field. So they tried to steal a possession. Why don't you try to steal a possession a little bit earlier? I mean, it, it, you, you give them a short field. But again, that the back of the end zone. Uh, it becomes another defender. So you're not, you're not having to guard a hundred yards or whatever you 75 yards. You're having to guard 35, 40. Uh, it, it will help at some, some part. So maybe you do that, be a little bit more aggressive this week. Uh, Seth, I, I want to ask you it, between Florida and, and BYU, USF's game plan defensively has kind of been take away the run, make them make the, make him make the throws and they're over two and making and successfully, uh, you know, forcing those two teams to make mistakes in the, in the passing game. Do you think that they kind of switch it up and uh, you try to take away the, take away the throw uh, because Tanner is so effective uh, just throwing darts across the field? Yeah, this is, and this is something that uh, our friend Colin brought up on Twitter during the game was, you know, we don't want to ever see USF playing man to man again, right? And I was like, it, it, you know, it kind of depends. If you sit back in this in this softer zone, they can. Last week, BYU was just going to run the ball in your throat, and, and Jeff Scott said as much after the game. That was kind of almost a verbatim what he said. You know, if you sit back and just you know play for the pass, totally, they're going to run the ball at you, uh, and that's how they play. As you said, they try to play Florida by taking away. Um, the run first. Uh, yeah, I think this may be a week where you, you kind of sit back, try to just keep everything in front of you and then end up playing red zone roulette as uh Bud Elliott, I think calls it, where you just get down the red zone and hope on two of those trips in the red zone, they only, they kick a field goal. And then you're on offense, you're, you catch all yours in for touchdown and then you win the game. That could be kind of what the strategy is this week, especially with lack of depth, you know, maybe just keep everything in front of you, see if they'll make a mistake throwing into coverage. Like we see, you know, Barry Odom doing at Arkansas last year against Ole Miss, where they felt like they were kind of undermanned um, compared to what Ole Miss had on offense, dropped eight. I think Matt Corral threw six interceptions, just kept trying to force it in there. Maybe you can get Tanner work out to do that. Um, like you said, he threw three picks last week. He wasn't starting, so he, you know he, he's these are not like he's played. Uh, he's a veteran. Has played a ton of games. He did, he wasn't starting Oklahoma, so he you know he'll, he maybe you can come in and kind of confuse him, get him to press a little bit, and then make them kind of earn their way down the field really slowly, passing the ball. 
It's just, it's tough. I think you're going to have to present different looks because I think if you present the same look to these really good offenses, they eventually figure it out and they, and they figure out how to attack it. So you're going to have to change it up, but I don't think this would be a bad game to, to kind of play off a little more. But again, what does that do? Right. <laughs> you know, play off, then rally and tackle. I've seen a lot of rallying this year. I haven't seen a lot of tackling. So if if you feel pretty good that you're going to be able to tackle these guys in space, then yeah, it's a great idea. But if I'm going to play off, give let them give the ball to the guys in space, and then I can't come up and make tackles, well, then what's the point? You know, so you're better off just playing straight man coverage and hoping they just throw one to you if you can't come up and tackle. So that's going to be kind of a determination too. Are they able to rally and tackle and kind of and, and leverage the ball and, and push the ball back into pursuit and all that kind of good stuff? If you can do that and make them slowly work their way down the field, that increases their chances to make a mistake. If you can't tackle and they can just turn a, a five-yard hitch into a 40-yard pass, well, now you're in trouble. Uh, I c- couldn't couldn't said it better myself. Uh, Seth, this is uh, – I think it's c- – you know, Florida, those three first three games that, you know, that they've lost, you kind of knew the outcome um, was to be expected, right? Just where USF was progressing from. And then I think SMU is the same. It's the same kind of scenario, right? This team is really good. They should be ranked. Uh, I think they're ranked in one of the polls, not if not both. Um, this is a very talented team. Uh, we we do a, a AC uh, blogger. uh you know, power ranking every single week through fear of the wave. And I've consistently had them second um, behind Cincinnati, but <clears throat> excuse me, they're closing in on Cincinnati. And if they continue this way, it's going to be neck and neck, uh, you know, depending on how Cincinnati does uh, at Notre Dame, it's going to be pretty close. I mean, Cincinnati's defense is just as elite and talented as SMU's offense. You know, I, I have not looked at SMU's schedule off the top of my head. Uh, if that is a game that is played this year, uh, SMU and Cincinnati, uh, that is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's – you couldn't have asked for kind of like a four out of five worst first games to play for SF, really, honestly. Like, truly, I don't know how they do it every single year, but we always manage to play – some middling power five team that's absolutely on fire. You're out of conference. Yeah, you're you you play your one FCS school and then you you know, you, you get thrown into the wolves playing Dalvin Cook at his, at his peak, or you get true freshman Anthony Richardson who's you know coming into his own and NC State coming and going out hot, and then now you start competing. You're like, okay, you know we had a tough out of conference. Let's see if we can ease into our American Athletic Conference. It's like, nope. Fuck you! You get one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and one of the most elite receiving units that you have to cover with true freshman transfers and not very talented and, and, and well in first secondary. So that's kind of USF's luck right now. Um, to Seth's point, I think if you can, you know, steal a, a possession or two, whether it's via special teams, via you know holding your holding their own on fourth down. I mean, if you look back at that BYU game. They did, I mean, that first fourth down and goal, I think they did a really good job in that goal line stand. I really wish they would have reviewed the the, the over-the-top thing that happened there. I don't think he made it, but I wasn't there, and I didn't see the replays or anything like that. Um, but USF did pretty well to get into two fourth down situations on goal go situations. They just couldn't tackle on one of them, and then one of them, I think, should have been reviewed, and I don't think he got it. So... You look at that, they may have been 0-2 on, on fourth downs and then the game's split. And then overall, BYU went two for seven on third downs. You know, that's nothing to you know shake your nose at or anything. So the defense made progress at least a little bit in some aspects, but like Seth mentioned, it's, it's they, they're not tackling well right now. And now you've got to prove that you can tackle with some guys that can very very easily break tackles uh, across the board. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how USF responds here because I think uh, I think Glenn Spencer and, and Jeff Scott know what the big you know red circle that they had to put on this week is. The defense has to shore themselves up. The defense has to find a way to make it work. And there's as much as people on Twitter think that the coaching staff doesn't know the issues, the coaching staff knows the issues. They know what they have to do here. 
It's whether or not some of the players can execute plays or whether or not SME throws or something like they haven't seen yet. So we'll see what, what Glenn Spencer can dial up here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, if they can, if they can solve some of these issues that they have. And the injury, the injuries have, have uh, on the defensive side of the ball have have kind of compounded some of these issues, right? We hear that they're live tackling for the first time in a long time this week. Why? I'm sure some people are thinking, why aren't they live tackling? Because they have no depth. You're more off. You're more likely to get hurt live tackling. So when your depth is down, you can't do that as much in practice, right? At this point, I think it's kind of a desperation thing. It's like we need to work on it. So you know, whatever. We're kind of strapped anyways. We're playing. Going to have to play guys that don't have a ton of experience anyways. But we got to we got to work on this. So they're working on it. But that's kind of a that, that's kind of that issue was compounded a little bit by your lack of depth because now you have to pull back a little in practice because you don't want those injuries in practice. I mean, one of the bigger injuries of the year happened in practice. A guy going up for a ball or diving out and 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 hurting you know one of the transfer defensive backs that came in that was looked like he was going to be starting at safety. Yeah, and so, then a bu- and then a bus came out of nowhere. And ran both the quarterback and the receiver slap over, so that was that that hurt the depth on that side of the ball because those guys were recovering from a, a, a bus trampling. But I, I think the on the positive side for this game for USF is you look at the uh, the matchup on the other side of the ball. SMU's given up six point one eight yards per play, which is one hundred fourth in the country. They're ranked in the hundreds in that. Expected points added on defense as well. They're 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 okay against. They're like kind of middle of the pack against the run, but they're 115th or 114th against the pass. So you have the opportunity to move the ball on them. This may be a week, another week where you have to slow down your tempo stuff a little bit, um, like they did against BYU, and that's something we talked about against North Carolina State. That you know, if you don't slow it down, your defense is going to see 100 plays and they're just going to be dead. And that kind of happened early against North Carolina State. It looked like it could have been happening in this BYU game, but they really did a good job slowing it down. You can you can be no huddle and play and still kind of get some of the advantages without going really fast, right? If you don't change personnel, the defense can't sub. So if you look back at Florida's game against Alabama, Florida never changed personnel at all. And then in the second half, they had drives of like 10 plays, 11 plays, 11 plays, because those guys just got worn out because you couldn't sub defensive players out. USF in the second half had long drives, right? And weren't doing a ton of subbing. They weren't, they weren't bringing a ton of guys in and out. They did a little bit, but not a ton, right? So by the end of those drives, when you're trying to punch it in in the goal line, you're just running through arm tackles because those guys are dead. So there is something to it. You can still get some of the some of the fatigue factors and some of that stuff. It'll take a little bit longer, but you can get it without having to go crazy fast, which also helps your defense out. So I wonder if we see that too. Maybe it's a game where you just have to match plays as much as possible. So you got to go fast, but I, I think you may see USF kind of hold back a little bit again, pull the reins back and try to slow it down for the defense a little bit. Absolutely. And you know, Jeff Scott kind of touched on that uh, at his press conference uh, today uh, on, on Tuesday, kind of, you know, given it a precursor, you know, that second half last week, you know, a 15 play, uh, a 19 play drive. That, that's what USF is going to have to do to you. You really don't want the best unit on the field. Uh, if if you're USF, you don't want the best unit on the field for more than 20 minutes on Saturday, because the best unit on the field between the, the between the two teams is SMU's offense. So having those prolonged drives, you know, I, I know BYU's uh, offensive coordinator, I think, uh, kind of gave pause or, you know, raised questions. Of, you know, he thought it was really interesting that USF, you know, had a nine minute drive in, in, the, in the second half. And it's because, frankly, USF's defense had allowed eight point nine yards per play. And you, you've you got to be able to slow that down somehow. And the best way to keep an offense off the field, sustain drives running the ball. And that's what Jeremy Mangum was able to do. Brian Batty was able to do. 
and, and Timmy McLean. So that's that's going to be the recipe for success for USF. Have those sustained long drives, as you mentioned, Seth. Don't don't black out this defense with multiple three and outs in a row. Like you know, one or two maybe, but you can't you can't put them back to back to back and expect it not to be you know, a, a shootout and, and a blowout early on. Uh, the thing helping USF in that regard here, uh, SMU has started slow in the first quarter against, uh, you know, these teams. They're outscoring their opponents 28 to 24 in the first quarter, uh, but then it jumps significantly in the second quarter once they figure out the the, de- the defense and how they're playing them, as you mentioned, Seth, like having to be, uh, you know, you know, defenses have to be multiple, right? That's, uh, you know, the, the, the cliche for any new coach is, yeah, we're going to be multiple on defense. They start to figure it out, and now now they figure it out, and I think they're outscoring uh, their opponents 51 to 20 in the second quarter, and then it's just uh, running rough shot, and they're, they're up 20 points in the second, third, and fourth quarter against their p- opponents in each quarter, uh, you know, through the, the rest of the game. So you you know, if you can sustain a drive, one long drive per quarter, it's gonna help it's gonna help you eventually, right? And that's what you gotta do. Keep it close in the fourth quarter and maybe you you get SMU to tighten up. And you know, uh Timmy is unencumbered by the fact that he hasn't done this much before in college. So the the young and dumb thing is is very prevalent and you know, you don't understand the moment until you're out of the moment when you're that young. Uh so maybe that can prove effective for him as well. And then imagine if you start with a long drive and score, then you get a stop and then you have another long drive and score. And now all of a sudden SMU is down two scores possibly. And they're a little frustrated because they haven't got the ball very much this game. Maybe, maybe your two drives and their drive take up the whole first quarter, take up a quarter and a half. Now, you know, then they start to press and that's maybe where you can get those kind of turnovers and that kind of stuff where they're not playing super clean because they're trying to press. So th- this may be one of those games where you try to hold a little bit. Yeah. And I just want to bring this up. Uh, Matt Brown at Matt Brown, uh, CFP, uh, great follow. Um, it's the 15th anniversary to the greatest quarter. This is, I'm reading a tweet here. It's a 15th anniversary to the greatest quarter of all time uh, to open the second half Auburn went on a 17 play 85 yard drive that lasted eight minutes and 38 seconds that ended in a field goal then they recovered an onside kick and went on a 13 play 52 yard drive that took up 630 scoring on the first play of the fourth quarter they took up the entire third quarter of offensive possession now if USF can do that and just literally steal an entire quarter of offense there you go why not, right? But that's what it's going to have to be. I, I don't think it'll be that drastic, right? But, I mean, why not? That's what you're going to have to do. Maybe get a quick hitter, you know, once or twice, but these long-sustained drives, you know, go back to, like, the 90s and just ground and pound this team into the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Now, so what do you think, Steve? Um. Are you a ground, are you a ground and pound guy or are you a quick strike guy? I mean, let's 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 ask your girlfriend. Let's, let's, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, I, for me at least, what I would love to see out of this game versus what I think USF needs to do to win the game are two very different things, and it's it's putting me in a in a little bit of a moral dilemma because for me, I would love to see Timmy complete. You know the, these, you know, seventeen-yard digs and these, you know, fifteen-yard hitches, and you know, be able to make the throws between the between the hashes, and you know, develop the the quarterback skills that he needs to do. But I know if if that's the game plan that Charlie Weiss and Jeff Scott go into for this game, we're going to lose like sixty-two to twenty-eight. Like it, it's going to look like how Tulane and, and Oklahoma were. Like, yeah, Tulane's got a great quarterback with Michael Pratt, but with the style of offense they were running, they were hitting like, you know, 15, 20 yard passes and, and you know, stalling out drives that way. Then Oklahoma would turn right back around, or old business, I should say, would turn right back around and, and score almost immediately. So it's like, do I want USF to win or have a chance to win, or do I want USF to have a fun day on offense? 
um, that's that's the moral dilemma that I'm in right now with with this game. And you know, it's I, I, I love what they've done with Timmy. I think you know, Seth. I know you and I kind of talked about it last week with getting the playbook to fit to the quarterback that you want to run because you can't just do this whole prepared to have K go in there, prepared to have Timmy go in there, prepared for Kitchers to go in there. Now you can kind of say, all right, you know, let's let's go on to the second page of Timmy's playbook. Let's let's you know circle a big on the third page here as well, and and prepare him to make longer reads and go from the first read to the second read to the third read and see if he can progress a little bit that way. Or and even in the RPO offense, you know, be able to read the you know, linebackers and safeties and whatnot. But is that going to help USF win this game? Probably not. Uh, you know, I I think that ground ground and pound style that was working against BYU was was perfect. And I think if you stole a possession there, you know, get fourth and one of the goal where I think should have been overturned, you're now looking at a very different game going into the last drive with it being 28 to uh, 20. You know, going into that last drive, now that means a little bit more. So, I don't know. I want both teams to have fun. I want... Like I said, Tanner Mordecai for, for AAC Player of the Year, first Heisman Trophy winner outside of Power 5 Conference. That's He's going to look well. He's going to look fun. He's going to have a great day out there. I, I hope USF is able to replicate and, and you know get it about for first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Maybe he has to be runs away with it. Yeah, no, final thoughts. Uh, here's my final thought. Uh, Jerry Springer style here. Man, um, before we get into the predictions, I, I think we should probably make it clear, regardless of the outcome here, um, there's still games to be won on this schedule. Uh, there's a good, healthy chunk after the bye week, and there's a bye week next week where they can start to get some folks back, and then they get Tulsa at home, and then there's the uh, Temple and ECU, and there's there's a, a good chunk of three, that three-game chunk after that bye week is going to be, is going to prove more, uh, is going to tell you more about what this team is than these first five games. So I don't want, I don't want USF fans uh, you know, and I'm going to have to rein myself in here because I, I do love to be hyperbolic on the Twitter during a game because it's fun uh, and it's uh, it's easy. I like to get my jokes off um, to that. The the outcome of this SMU game is is likely to have no bearing on the rest of the season. All right. So there there will still be six games left there's still three very winnable games on there and you know depending on how Tulane kind of figures it out uh I I still love Michael Pratt but depending on how they figure it out depending on how Houston figures it out I mean they they were in a slugfest they almost lost the Navy so it it's some very winnable games still to be had on the rest of the schedule you just your first five games were just murder ball. And there's really nothing you can do about that. Uh, I think a lot of people thought maybe SMU would have taken a step back with the amount of talent that they lost. There was still a question mark at quarterback. Tanner Mordecai has uh, filled in that question quite nicely because Shane Buchel was a fantastic quarterback for SMU last year, set a lot of records uh, for SMU. You bring in just another quarterback. So that's where the consternation was. Uh, there's still a lot to be played for. Uh, the results will not have any bearing for, on the last six games of the season. I think we need to keep that in mind as we move forward, getting closer to Saturday. Uh, enjoy the the game. Uh, you know, it, I want to see improvement. You know, be better at tackling. Uh, Jeff Scott said it's it's been a, it's been a major issue. That's <clears throat> why they're working on it this week. Let's see it. Let's see if that pays off. Let's see if the offense can carry over what they carried over from BYU. Let's have those minor improvements going into the bye week. Now Timmy's got basically two full weeks to get ready for Tulsa as as QB one. Get healthy. Get some guys back maybe. And now you know you, you're coasting through the the last half of the season. That's that's what I want to say uh, before we get to predictions. Um, Seth, Stiga, am I off base here? What, what do you guys feel about you know the the output that the you know the outcome of this game really is is you know 
results wise, I get it. Record wise, I get it. But grand scheme of things, not the end of the world. Yeah, right. I mean, right now, just for reference, right now, USF is a 20 and a half point underdog on DraftKings over under for the game set at 68. So they're seeing a high scoring game here. Um, but, you know, they're 20 point underdog. They were a 23 point underdog last week to BYU. This, to me, like the this market, the spread is kind of the truest sense of where teams are at, really, because you have to put money into it to like they set a line, you put money in that moves the line. Right. So this is the most efficient market. Typically, is this betting market. Right. So based on that, the odds of you winning are extremely low this week. They were extremely low last week and you 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 only lost you know, you, you covered by quite a bit. So I, I think you're hoping just to see that same kind of effort. The win would be really great, would be awesome, would be awesome launch pad going into the bye week, going to the rest of the season. I, it just doesn't seem likely. You just want to see them play well. If it's a, if it's um, you know, if it comes down to where it's two guys going up for a ball and their guy makes a play, well, if your guy's in the right position, that's all you. Can, that's all you can kind of. That's all you can hope for. You want your guys to play well, play to the best of their abilities. If it's not good enough, then it's not. Um, but hopefully, you keep you can keep it close like you did last week, and and then see what happens come to the end of the game. That's we we talked last week. Kind of if you can keep it close, put some pressure on these teams, see what happens at the end, and you almost gave yourself a chance last week. So you're just hoping to see that again. Give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. If you've got a chance in the fourth quarter, you've probably been playing pretty well, and that's a good launch pad going into the bye week, going into the rest of the season. Steve, what do you think? It's uh, you know, I I think it's I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, it's there's there's little incremental things that we continue to want to see that hopefully we can continue on. Um, you know, the the I think one of the big things that I've been probably the most pleased with. Especially when you're comparing uh, these USF teams from Jeff Scott era to Charles Strong era, is you know the, the penalties. You know, the, the team is still playing extremely disciplined football. I think against BYU, we only had three penalties for 25 yards. I, I think one of them was a holding call, one of them was a false start, and then one of them was uh, was a defense pass interference. So if you're keeping up this this disciplined football style, where you know you're you're being able to grind out a drive or two here and there. Not committing any penalties, you know, being smart with the football, limiting turnovers at all possible, maybe getting a, a turnover on your side of things to, to fall your way. I think that I'll count that block field goal as a, as a turnover. You know, doing those little things and, and to quote the, the magical Ted Lasso, you know, it's not always about the wins and losses in these types of circumstances. Sometimes you're up against uh, Goliath and you're David, and you just got to start throwing rocks and see what you can do and hope something sticks, but. At the end of the day, it's it's about the progress that USF is able to make this season. You know, we we've seen progress from week one to week two. We saw progress from week two to week three. We saw a great amount of progress from week three to week four. So now, can we see it again for a fourth, fifth straight week? I don't know how that works. Um, you know, overall, I think I think that's where you'll hear us next week say like, yeah, we may have lost, but. That was there was still progress to be made. You know, maybe we made you know a, a few third down stops, made a few plays on defense. You know, the offense was able to score a few points here and there, and make some drives work, but we still lose by you know twenty and a half. Like you know, the 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 L at the end of the day doesn't matter too much this season. I, I think that's I, I think that's pretty much where we're all at as a consensus is. It doesn't matter about this game. This game is probably going to be watched anyways, but. Where do we do we look back and say, yeah, that sucked and they caused a downfall, or you know, hey, they still made some good progress and we can hang our hats on that. Absolutely. Uh let's let's get to these predictions. Um last week, uh I, I was I was pretty dang close. Um I you know in the in the preview uh when we found out Jaron Hall was uh gonna be out. I took away a touchdown for BYU and predicted a 38-23 uh, BYU. So pretty close, uh, just a few points off either side. Not bad. Uh, Stieg still wildly off, uh, but you'll get there eventually. Uh, Seth, no love for USF's offense uh, against BYU. Only gave him 10 points. But we'll- I wasn't a believer. I'm, I'm a believer now. 
Seth, what is your score prediction for USF at SMU? ESPNU, 4 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, 41-24, SMU. All right. Let's see. The line's 20 and a half. 23 and a half? 20 and a half. 20 and a half. Over under is 68. Damn. That's hot. That's pretty that's, that's, pretty, that's, 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 that's well, pretty healthy over under right there. So you're going USF covers and the under hits. Well, you're no fun. Who whoever bets the under? I mean, what person uh, that's I'm, I trying guess, to, I'm trying to be a nice guy. I think USF takes the air out of the ball a little bit. I I I, I do think that they do that. Uh, I worry how many times they're going to be able to do that. I think they'll they're good for at least one and a half, uh, but I don't think they're going to be able to put it back to back like they were able to do in the second half. Um, for that reason, I think it's I think the under will hit uh, just because of some sustained drives by USF. But I I, I think it's thirty five fourteen SMU. Oh, who doesn't believe in the offense now? <laughs> but that's too long. Those two long drives. You've, you've, you've been on it though, so this year I've been, I have to defer to your expertise. Oh, I know, man. I, I I still can't believe I nailed that FAMU score. I'll I'm going to take that to the grave. All right, now let's go to a single for the really good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, God, <laughs> I hate this. Um. I think uh, I think speaking from the heart, I think the biggest worry that and we've already touched on it a little bit. The biggest worry right now is USF goes out there and plays it. That's where we're going to start being a little worried. Is when you know this game's completely out of hand, like the last time we played SMU, where the boy did Shane Buchel had the most amount of fun I think I've ever seen. I think I have a bunch of pictures of him still actually uh, coming up the sideline after uh, like a twenty-eight yard wide open pass and touchdown and he's got the biggest shading grin on his face and that was midway through the second quarter. I think that's the the biggest worry going into this game for us is just USF goes out there, lays an egg, we lose uh, fifty-five to ten or something. That'd be terrible. But the thing is, USF won't go out there and lay an egg. USF is going to pull a massive upset and win 55 to 10. Tanner Mordecai, he's thrown, what, 20 touchdowns this year? Throws 20 interceptions this game. You know, got to equal the dream, got to balance it out a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think Glenn Spencer is going to dial it up. I think uh, we're going to surprise, uh, shock the world a little bit. Maybe, you know, the, the third time is the charm. He played uh, three ranked teams to start the year. I think, uh, you know, we almost got it on that third try against BYU. SMU, you better watch out, kid. Uh, we're coming We're coming in hot. And, uh, yeah, fuck Jim Lennon. Well, there you have it, folks. Tanner Mordecai. Jim Lennon resigned at halftime out of, out of shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the ghost man. of Judy Gimshaf speaks to him at halftime and says, just get, get out. out. Get out of there. Wow. Go to back and tarmac him at home. Go to the Dagobah system. Oh, my gosh. Oh, all right. Well, uh, uh, before we wrap out, I uh, want to say thank you to Irish 31 for, for sponsoring this beautiful podcast. Uh, again, go check out the, the Bulls Brewfest, uh, Irish 31, and the USF Alumni Association uh, this Saturday at Irish 31 West Shore Plaza, Bulls Brewfest. Uh, starting at 3. Uh, goes through the end of the game. Uh, so basically 3 to 8 o'clock, join Magic 94.9 and a stampede of Bulls fans for a special ramped-up indoor-outdoor Bulls bonus watch party with giant LED screens showing the game, local breweries sampling fall brews, Bulls ticket giveaways from Irish 31, tailgate games, and more. It's free admission and a $10 sampling wristband with 100% of the event proceeds donated to the USF Alumni Association. For Stieg, Seth, and Nathan, this has been another edition of the Bluminati Podcast, sponsored by Irish 31. Be safe. Drink responsibly. Go to the Bulls Brewfest this Saturday. Go Bulls. I'll be there. Go Bulls.